it really comes down to putting your money where your mouth is. Part of it is this unconscious bias, but we just need more women to feel comfortable writing checks. Monica Doty has spent much of her career as an entrepreneur and tech executive and was well aware of the challenges facing women in her field. But it wasn't until she got into the VC world, sitting on the other side of the table, that she realized the extent of the funding problem that female founders were facing. It was bizarre, Doty thought. She knew that a diversity of views meant a higher return on investment, higher productivity, and higher profitability, a fact that is supported by plenty of research. And yet only 2.2% of VC funding goes to female-founded firms. So in 2011, Doty founded the Women's Venture Capital Fund with HBS classmate Edith Dorson, intent on funding teams with at least one woman in the mix and turning them into an investment opportunity that traditional VCs are simply overlooking. In this special episode of Skydeck, recorded live at Fall Reunions, Doty speaks with Associate Editor Jen Flint about the challenges that female founders still face and what real progress will take. As a woman in VC, you are among the, the 9% of venture capitalists who are women. Um, so, so talk about what happens when there is a woman in the room, uh, when there's a woman who's writing the checks and making the decisions. Well, there's, there's, there's been a lot of studies, but there's this more of um, a risk intelligence approach where, you know, instead of trying to go for those home runs all the time um, and the next Google or the next Facebook, you know, you can certainly make great returns when you um, sort of go for singles and doubles. And we've seen that by having a diverse group of people that um, the results are far better. Because, you know, you have to think about your consumers too. I'd like to mention, you know, uh, there was this study done, oh, maybe 10 years ago by the Boston Consulting Group. They interviewed about 25,000 women across 20 countries and uh, their conclusions showed that um, the female consumer will grow faster and be bigger than Russia, Brazil, China, and India combined. It's a huge market. But they also discovered that over 90% of female consumers who are responsible for most of the shopping are dissatisfied with the goods and services that are out there. Top of the list are financial services, but also anything including electronics, um, uh, you know, internet services, healthcare, and they are the caregivers of their families and their communities. And so it's a huge opportunity that has yet to really be tapped in terms of really creating um, IP and, and products that really understand the female consumer. You're offering Series A and Series B financing now. Um, this is the, the second fund. You closed the first one in 2013, launched the second in 2017, and you started with seed funding. And that seems to reflect this kind of movement up the ladder um, that you've seen generally um, in the ecosystem. There's more funding for women moving up the ladder, but there's still not a lot in the growth stage. What can we do to fix that? Well, that's the million dollar question or billion dollar question because also across the board, the landscape has changed from let's say even 10 years ago. You know, we don't have the number of IPOs that we used to. So the exits for investors, and that's what it's all about for venture capitalists. You know, you could be an entrepreneur without getting outside funding, you know. So just talking about companies that need outside capital and they need the capital to um, 
bring the product to market, which would be, you know, seed and Series A. Um, we see that there are a lot more female investors that are getting involved. But I kind of see that there's a bottleneck for the exits that typically venture capitalists were looking for in terms of going public. Now you have a lot of these private companies that, you know, are basically funded by private equity firms because they're requiring hundreds of millions of dollars just to, to get to a certain point, whereas normally you would get it from the public markets. And why there are not uh, more women involved in the later stages, I think it's, um, you know, largely a function of the, the makeup of the VC firms themselves. In your more traditional venture capital, the we've seen that there is a definite correlation between investing in more women later stage if there are more female partners involved. Mm -hmm. What about raising capital as a, a, a female-focused or, or diversity-focused uh, fund? Are, are there particular challenges for you raising capital uh, for Series A, Series B financing? Definitely. The bulk of venture capital comes from institutions, whether they be pension funds or endowments. Uh, but their ticket, you know, their minimum investment size is typically $10 million or even more. And they don't want to represent more than 10% of any fund. You know, we got a lot of encouraging, you know, feedback from institutions, especially, you know, the pension funds, CalPERS, for example, huge. They want to invest in much larger funds. And so getting to that point of really, you know, creating a $250 million or $500 million. Then the other thing is also this gender focus is something that they have to avoid. You know, it's sort of like um, affirmative action, mm. for lack of a better word. So the institutions do not have the mandate to invest in... Um, anything that might, you know, look as if they're, they're investing for anything other than returns. So in the space of eight or 10 years since you've been in this work, the numbers haven't gone up very much. What would it take to really move the needle? Well, as I mentioned, the institutions are really driving over 90% of the VC money. We need to figure out a way for the pension funds, the endowments, the foundations to, uh, to understand that it's sort of like investing in sustainability or anything that uh, is an impact fund. So Corporation B, where it's not just about uh, return on investment, but it's also about having an impact in our environment, in our community. You know, there's so much data out there. Um, Women-founded companies uh, create two times more revenue with one dollar of investment than male-founded companies. So there's just a lot of data to support it. But it's just moving the institutions to make, you know, a friend of mine is chief investment officer at CalPERS, which is trillions of dollars, but she can't convince her investment committee to go beyond the bottom line, you know? And so we need to have all that data ready um, to sort of slowly move that, that oil tanker around. Hi, I'm Georgia from the general management program in 2017. Um, my question is, if we want to invest uh, in women entrepreneurs, what's the most effective way to do that? Is it by 
going to a fund or just finding a friend. Uh, do you have any tips on that? Well, I think it de definitely depends on the, the size of the check that you're willing to make because you typically, and there are ways around it, but normally you can't have more than 99 investors in, in a fund and then 99 LPs unless you want to go to the next level of regulation and oversight. And so if you're trying to raise a $500 million fund, that means the, the price tag is, you know, $5 million, let's say, um, as an investor. So there, um, that's why I see a lot more women involved in angel investing. And there are a lot of angel groups. There's the Harvard Angels, which is excellent. Um, but there's, I, I live in Los Angeles, so we have Tech Coast Angels, we have Maverick Angels, and they get together once a month. A lot of things associated with USC, UCLA. The, the, the universities have always been a driving force in innovation anyway, and they also have been a driving force in entrepreneurship for a long time. Um, so I see that just to get your feet wet is to maybe get involved with angel groups anyway, to, uh, and go to conferences, you know, because um, there's also pooled opportunities where you can get together on a specific investment or across the board kind of matching investment. Um, I, I, I've been to a conference, I'm going to a conference in Berlin in a couple of months called the Falling Wall Conference. So there's 25 companies that are coming from all around the world focused really on innovation, like the latest, greatest stuff in um, agriculture and climate change and um, healthcare. And that's where you meet like-minded people, birds of a feather, in terms of interested in supporting these entrepreneurs. Thomas Bitar, I'm a founder of a venture capital fund in Brazil, cross-border with the US. We're still in fund now to fund two, moving to fund two. And we're facing the same challenge, I guess, as you, which is how to break through the institutional barriers, the institutional investors which we need for fund two and we'll need for three. But we are looking and very uh, uh, putting a lot of effort into this diversity to not only women, as you said, but also to have teams with diversity and our portfolio companies that are diverse. My question is, have you been able to raise, to break this huge barrier from the institutional investors? And if yes, can you give us some advice, me some advice here? We did raise money from some institutions, in particular from, from the state of Oregon um, and um, a few other sort of uh, trusts, you know, uh, that invest, have the Meyer Memorial Trust and, and all that. So it was a lot of it is, was developing a relationship with them and, um, you know, giving them a lot of information. Really, they want to know what the team is, what the investment team is. You know, we, we actually met with Harvard Endowment in the early days. And uh, we got, uh, you know, a lot of support. Um, and so they, they, they didn't close the door. They, the door is ajar. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe it's just a matter of a lot of it, I think, is building relationships. There are a lot of people keeping their eye on us. And so I think as you develop a reputation and they see what you can do, your level of commitment and overall your numbers, um, I think we're going to start cracking it. They haven't closed the door. You know, it just takes a lot of time. Thank you. Yeah, you're right. Hi, my name is Adriana Herrera. I'm AMP193. And I think change is about micro pivots in the ecosystem. Um, you're fortunate enough to have a great platform, not just here, but every time that you speak, you have an audience. So what would you suggest that we all walk away with collectively to start making those micro pivots and that possibly 
that network effect? Yeah. Well, my first knee-jerk reaction, and I certainly don't want to be flippant, but it really comes down to putting where your money, your money where your mouth is. Uh, we, we see it's definitely skewed for a reason. Part of it is this unconscious bias, but we just need more women to feel comfortable writing checks, you know, and supporting women entrepreneurs, but not necessarily seed companies that are trying to piece together some money to start something, because that there's a 20% chance that they'll go to the next level anyway, regardless of how accomplished they are. But it's really, you know, writing those checks. A lot of the guys are much more, that I know, that I went to school with, who I love, are just certainly, in my experience, if this is not, this is more qualitative than quantitative in my view, are, are just a lot more comfortable investing their own money beyond the stock market. So, I, you know, it's great to, to, to mentor. It's important to mentor. And and support one another regardless of age or socioeconomic background in something that, that um, drives your passion. You know, you don't want to certainly mentor somebody in something that bores you to tears, but something that you really enjoy. And, um, and then, but really, it's, it, at the end of the day, it comes down to money. That's where we just need more women to step up on that regard. Skydeck is produced by the External Relations Department at Harvard Business School and edited by Craig McDonald. It is available at iTunes and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. For more information or to find archived episodes, visit alumni.hbs.edu slash skydeck.